Well, good afternoon to you. This is Alan Seymour hosting yet another edition episode of the Future of Sport here on All in Sports Talk. This is episode 19. It's a great pleasure. It's certainly a privilege because today um, Olympics and Olympic idealism and everything that Olympics represents has always been with me throughout my career. So I'm very delighted to welcome an Olympian, uh, a rowing Olympian, Kath Bishop, uh, and my first kind of introductory question almost, Kath, is tell us what made you an Olympian and tell us some of the history and the background uh, to your rowing successes, Kath. Sure, great. Really good to be here with you, Alan. Um, so the Olympics, I guess my first place of Olympics was growing up and actually watching the 1984 Olympics, the Los Angeles Olympics as a child, as a sort of 12-year-old and being utterly enthralled by it. <laughs> Seeing it like sort of a Hollywood film, really, something incredible that I was gripped and compelled by, but never ever thought I would do. So, you know, I loved the whole Olympic idea from whenever I first saw it as a, as a child growing up. Um, uh, I didn't actually sort of have that successful a time at school in sports. I was quite a good student in my academic side, but I, you know, I didn't have a very managed, imaginative PE teacher, I think, and so I didn't really do well. I was not viewed as a sporty type at school. I really thought sport wasn't kind of particularly for me. Um, and it was when I got to university that things, you know, changed and shifted significantly. Quite by surprise, really, and, and not intending to take up rowing. I sort of arrived at university thinking, you know, I'm going to be up late solving the universe, so I won't have to get up early to go rowing. Um, but somehow, you know, when they all came with their clipboards to say, well, you're tall, you want to row, don't you? I said, well, not not if you go out really early in the morning, and I'm not very sporty, really. So initially, I kind of brushed them off, but um, it, it got to me in other ways, and all sorts of people who were becoming my friends were talking about rowing. There was a big buzz about it. And quite inauspiciously, I just got dragged in to fill in a seat when, you know, in a novice crew, yeah. there was a seat missing, and I got sort of bought beer in order to sort of fill in the gap. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, an encounter with a completely different world of sport began than that that I'd experienced sort of on the potty pitch at school. And I fell in love with the sport. I absolutely loved being on the river, the camaraderie. To me, the teamwork was so much closer than anything I'd experienced on a hickey hockey pitch or a netball court where you could kind of stop running if you didn't like it. And I didn't really like it very much. And I sort of just, you know, was quite passive. Whereas when you're in a boat, you can't opt out. Not unless you literally dive over the edge, mm. which is impossible. So you're in it and you've got to kind of opt in and, and make the best of that. And I loved that sort of camaraderie that came from that really close teamwork. Um, and over time, being at university, I kind of moved through the levels, did the Oxford-Cambridge boat race, had some access to some fantastic coaches there, you know, who dangled the idea that the Olympics was a possibility. And so, of course, you know, you can't ignore that. Um, and so the exciting journey began that took me to um, Atlanta, Sydney and Athens with lots of, lots of ups and downs, <laughs> downs and ups. I mean, Kath, can I just pause for one moment? This is audio. I kind of wish that, and yes, 
you know, there are classically word pictures, but if I was kind of doing this video style as well, the emotion that's coming through, I mean, we'll, we'll talk a lot more in the interview, but there are lots of peripherals that I could think about here. But if nothing else from the interview in this very early stage, I'm telling my audience, I'm telling my students, I'm telling all of those people connected, just listen to this, because if you wanted drive, inspiration, a starting point, you know, Maybe it was destiny, but some of the things that you do in that regard, you've got to drive them yourselves, and, and obviously competition and discipline and all that sport brings. And some of the words that you've used here, you know. Uh, let me just pick up maybe on one particular point, if I may. I mean, I'm a firm believer. I mean, I've taught at university for many, many years. I've been there. My daughters have all gone through uh, the process and have all been inspired just a little bit like you have in a variety of ways. But prior to that, I mean, when I came out of university, I did a postgrad and I did a cert ed and I did, uh, I went into teaching as a PE teacher. So, I mean, without obviously uh, using too much of the maybe sensitivities it what role do you think a PE teacher pay, plays in the formative considerations and the formative development of potential not just Olympians but sports people per se Kat oh, it, it's huge it's the same for any teacher isn't it it's an opportunity to really show the possibilities of what can be achieved through your subject so whether that's geography or biology or PE it's about how this can have, sort of add meaning and, and experience to your life and I guess the advantage the added advantage you have of PE is it's you know it's really physical as well as, as mental so it's the mind and body in one when you're learning PE so you're really helping people to kind of understand who they are both as a mind and a body, you know, looking at how that works. And, you know, we're with our minds and bodies all our lives, but we choose what we do with our minds and our bodies. And PE gives us that kind of structure and framework to do incredible things, whether that's, you know, you know whatever goal we have, Olympics or personal goals in, in fitness. So I think, you know, for PE teachers, it's about opening up a world of possibilities okay, yeah. for us to explore. I mean, Kath, can I also ask, it's a fairly direct question, I suppose, and, and, and no means in our interview today will it be anything other than conversations and maybe some touch points for us to start debates and get people to think a little bit more. But the question that I often think of in this context, particularly in elite athletes, in, in, with elite athletes, if I can say that, is, you know, are you born to be or are you taught to be or can you be coached? And I guess... The answer probably lies somewhere between all of those considerations, but particularly in your sport, maybe, and as you came to it a little bit late, and maybe even reluctantly, how much influence is, how much is the influence of coaching and being taught and or natural talent, I suppose, Cass? What are your perspectives on that? I think you have to harness everything you've got, and that is your you know, upbringing, you know, the values you have, your identity, who you are. And it is all the coaching and all the information and experience and other inspirational role models you, role models you can get your hands on. So I think you use, you know, you have to use everything you've got to get to the top of the sport. You have to absolutely maximise everything you've got going and find a bit more. So for me, it, it's about, yeah, using whatever you can and combining those things that aren't always that, that separable. I think, you know, coming to sport late, I felt I was on a really steep learning okay. path. Okay, yeah. 
there were things that I could transfer. I mean, I'd actually done quite a lot of music as a child, quite a serious pianist, and so I'd been in competitions. There was a performance element there. There was lots of things around getting the rhythm, you know, really being in the right mindset, you know, living in the moment in your performance to be in the present. So there were some things that I'd come across that absolutely transferred across, you know, just, just doing your exams, just preparing for stress and pressure. There were things I could transfer, but, you know, at the same time I felt... Gosh, you know, there were people around me who'd been doing sport a lot longer and just knew themselves and their bodies longer and you know and I was on the sort of crash course but I but I also kind of loved that almost you know I'm here kind of by mistake but wow what wonderful place to end up and you know what are all the things that I could do to kind of help me learn it was so obvious I needed to learn stuff that I then didn't take anything for granted and, and sort out people really quickly and rowing is a small sport where people are really really um, supportive and it's a tight community and therefore you have easy access to the top role models you know you can talk to see great great he wasn't hidden away like perhaps you know top footballer might be from from the kind of footballers coming through so for me you know you had great access to people with so much experience and wisdom in the coaching world as well and it was just about you know grabbing as, as much as I could and translating that you know where I was I mean, Kath, you used the word earlier, and it's probably not a word, and maybe you've already answered this in part, uh, and it's not a, a word that I would often, or a trait characteristic maybe, that I'd always associate with successful sports people, but it's an interesting debate here. Uh, you used the word passive, and, and that was maybe because in your early stages you focused more or you lent more towards academia or academic pursuits rather than sporting pursuits. What I've detected, if I can assume this, and it's always dangerous maybe to do that, but it was like a, an awakening, and, and I know that from, from, from many, many sources, and we've not got time to talk about those today, but it was almost that destiny once you started, you got in the boat, you started to train, and how much do you think that moment was the light bulb moment or how much do you think it's changed your life and I mean again it's a very broad general question but maybe just give us some perspectives on that Kath if you could I think you're right it engages you you know it's it's almost like an addiction isn't it It absolutely yeah when you do a sport to that level that you actually do it to the exclusion of everything else you know which isn't necessarily 100% (laughs) when you get the opportunity and the privilege where you can just focus on seeing how good you can be, seeing how world class you can be at one thing that you fundamentally love doing, then you know it's a wonderful journey to be on and it makes you feel very alive. You know, there's, there's nothing like sitting on the start of an international race, <laughs> Olympic final, for feeling you know utterly alive in your sort of mind and body. And, and those experiences stay with you. And when you ask anybody about kind of key moments in their life, it's often you know big sort of um, you know moments where yes you, you know, who you, the essence of who you are is something you discover at the next level whether it's you know getting married or you know a massive job opportunity or yeah. having a child or you know it's up there in, in those things you know an Olympic final it's something that it's always a part of who you are you carry with you and you've kind of tested what's possible you've pushed your mental physical boundaries you know and, and you're stronger for knowing that and for sort of putting a neck on the line and saying yeah I'm good I'm going to do this I'm going to go out there and see how good I can be and I can fail horribly but I'm going to put my neck on the line in this next seven minutes um, you know and, and that sort of you know the opportunity to do that and then the fact that you seize the opportunity and, and do it is something that you know yeah it's just a kind of huge part of your life 
I mean, Kath, I knew this was going to happen, so I'm holding my hands up here, but it is my show, so maybe I, I, I can be almost forgiving of myself. I knew in this interview it was never, ever going to be long enough, and the, the, every time you mention something, I want to kind of interject or talk about something, so I'm going to have to kind of be quite disciplined in this. But before we move on maybe to another phase uh, in the interview and, and, and another phase maybe in your career, uh, progressions, I just want to finally, maybe not finally because I'm sure we'll come back to it in a way, but I want to talk about Olympics and Olympic ideals, and, and I saw something, I think in fact you'd probably like we often do retweeted something or you used it as a benchmark uh, for people to think about there are changes within olympics olympic movements and multi-event you know the global perspectives of it the the, the erosion maybe of some things uh, whether it be integrity or too much money and there's a whole range of things but recent announcements about you know introducing new sports how that might affect other sports I mean I saw a, a note that athletics was now not going to be the major sport at Olympics I think swimming was going to take over but one of the comments maybe from a colleague of yours had made that they didn't see the Olympics in its format today being ever likely to be the same or even maybe to disappear within the generation of you know the, that that time scale what are your views on where the olympics may be going or do you see the olympics lasting out against maybe some of that backdrop Cass? yeah it's a fascinating question and i was shocked by the idea of the olympics not surviving because they seem to me uh, yeah. uh, you know the olympics will outlive us would have destroyed our planet but the olympics will sort of somehow still <laughs> keep going and, you know it, it's been there you know since uh ancient times indeed and, uh, you know, it encapsulates such a sort of fundamental essence of who we are trying to jump higher run faster etc etc um so I, I kind of think that idea won't change but i guess the you know what the olympics looks like can change as, as it has changed and i can see it, it has this struggle to stay relevant in the different world we live in and, and all of those things but you know fundamentally um, the fact it survived from sort of ancient times to now makes me think I think it'll be fine getting through the next 20 years <laughs> because it, it's bigger than that and actually we shouldn't be um, of, of course the IOC have to you know, do what they can to modernise and, and all those sort of normal pressures that all organisations have and need to be aware of but actually if you sort of take a step back further in, in my view that it, it, the fundamental essence of what it's about that never goes away whilst the human race is um, in, in existence so I think it's you know it's about you know they're then twinkering, tinkering they're sort of tweaking formats and you know mixed relays I think that sounds you know great fun I think you know rowing lends itself very well to mixed indeed, indeed, yeah. Olympic rowing has mixed crews so I just think I just get envious then that oh, <laughs> why didn't have that when I was rowing because that sounds you know sounds fun so um it's an interesting concept. I mean, I guess we, you know, everything is heralded as coming to an end at some point, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but for me, you know, the Olympics is, is just a, sort of some, a fundamentally human um, show that it, it will continue. It'll ebb and flow, maybe in what the uh, global population viewing figures are, but that's that's not really what it's about. I mean, Kath, I mean, I often, a very rarely, sorry, put a very strong personal perspective uh, on some of my interviews with these, but I'm gladdened to hear what you say, because I share that. I've grown up with the Olympics a lot longer than you have, uh, I mean, and for what it's worth, and I think it's maybe worth me put, putting this in as a kind of nice little segue to the next 
part of the interview. I was very fortunate in 1972, how time flies. I was just coming out of uni and I was um, advised by then my uh, physical education lecturer and tutor doing my teaching diploma uh, to apply, uh, and I was very successful, as it happened, to be selected uh, as a GB representative at the International Olympic Academy in Greece, and I went to that for three weeks, and that idealism and that contact with the Olympic movement, and I've done some research on it, has stayed with me. So legacy, tradition, timescales would suggest, I mean, it's frightening to think how many years ago that was, and here I am today talking about it with an Olympian. So, so that's a kind of beautiful little I, I, I think uh, script to the fact that the Olympics will outlive us all a segue in, I'm being very diplomatic here probably as we probably both have which kind of nicely moves us into you moved into diplomacy a diplomat in various places in the world Bosnia, Basra uh, Sarajevo, just tell us a little bit about that experience and maybe uh, obviously perhaps if you can, in that regard, talk about the, and accentuate some of the positives, obviously, that have come out of that, maybe for your career going forward and how maybe business and diplomacy and sport are kind of all uh, interlinked. Tell us a little bit about those experiences, Kat. Mm, I mean, becoming a diplomat was actually what I intended to do before I went off on this sort of this big tangent of okay. trying to go backwards in a boat as fast as I possibly could, uh, which I spent a good sort of, yeah, more than a decade pursuing. Um, but I'd gone to university and studied languages and international politics um, sort of postgraduate. And so for me, this is a world that, that really fascinated me. It's kind of real life. It's seeing the rest of the globe and, um, and things that look so very different, but just a few hours away, the conflicts of this world. And I mean, I guess, you know, all of it, when I reflect now, is, is about people. Diplomacy is about building partnerships with the unlikeliest of allies, trying to find something in common when it's really clear what you don't have in common and tractable disputes decades, centuries old, you're trying to find a way forward through. And, you know, again, there's a sort of fascination in that. Diplomacy has existed um, forever in, in different forms, really, and it's about how we connect, how we find a way that we can get to a better place. Um, so I was always fascinated by that world. It, it's a very much kind of real-life world. You see things that you know, we're very fortunate. We're not exposed to, to wars. Um, we live you know, a, a very privileged life in, in many respects. And I think for me, I always felt I needed to understand you know, the perspective in other places in this world and the people born in other circumstances you know, experience really different lives. And we have a responsibility being you know, a, a well-off, established, and previously very kind of um, influential, perhaps still a slightly influential country. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a responsibility to try and make the world a better place. That sounds trite, but it, but it is really about, um, you know, cooperating and, and finding ways to collaborate and, and resist kind of the, the urges that, that pull us in the more destructive direction. I mean, I think, Kath, I mean, it, it's obviously a much bigger subject that we can discuss here in a kind of 30-minute interview, and, and I'm fascinated by the whole subject area. In fact, there are so many synergies, apart from the fact that I've never been an Olympian. I wish I could have been, but there are so many synergies. I mean, my first degree at university was, in fact, in uh, modern history and politics, and I was always fascinated by some of the issues in the, in the 70s and 80s at, at time when I was teaching it and involved in it but I think the synergy and the connection
connection that goes with sport is very good the societal um, and maybe sport for good and lots of lessons that we can learn and certainly the, the the discipline and the value aspects do very much come out of that do you see yourself fulfilling a role maybe i mean gazing here looking crystal ball into the future because uh, I want to close the interview shortly, but we've, we've got another 10 minutes at least or so talking about what you're doing now and maybe the links between uh, public speaking and, and, and visiting Profit, the Surrey Business School and one or two other little touch points there. But do you ever see yourself maybe going back into kind of politics, stroke, diplomacy, that kind of area going forward, Cass? Okay. And, it, and it in a way showed me a different way of reaching people, of helping people to um, kind of understand themselves. The challenge is sort of sport can, can feel quite sort of sidelined from a, you know, a national political view in many ways. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I want to stay in a way involved with um, the sporting world and, um, you know, I, I, sort of big IOC politics is not something that I think looks very attractive okay. to anyone. I think it's about just feeling where you fit in and, and can make a difference. So, you know, I, I don't think so, but I, you know, I'm certainly a very interested um, political, you know, I'm, I'm engaged as, okay. as a member of the public, as it were, and I certainly have issues I care about, and I certainly want to fight to make sure we use sport, because it's such a constructive element we have in society. Coming back to that question around sort of what teachers do, you know, yeah. can, help, can help so many different issues in education, in health, it's a force for good, and we, I just don't feel we really maximise that and get sidelined very Kath, I mean, again, we've, we've, we've really structured... I'm not going to say planning here, maybe a little bit because of the conversational way this interview has gone, but that kind of, again, nicely fits in with where you are at the moment and maybe some of the things where I'm at and maybe I can see some synergies here. This, you know, we need people like Kath Bishop. We need people, I put, put a lifetime into lots of things and I'll never stop doing. I notionally retired from my former university position 18 months ago and as my wife keeps telling me, when well, you'll now have to learn how to retire from retirement Alan and you know the things that I'm doing um, I'm, I'm fortunate because I've chosen more to do them I can I, I can express myself and, and get involved in various things and we need people and I'm glad to hear without being patronising here the fact that you know a force for good and being able because sport does it's front and back page news as I often say but it has so many touch points for 8 to 80s and that's great to hear now when you chose or invited to uh, I see you're doing some work at, not only as a, a, a on the speaker tour but I know that you are a visiting prof at the Surrey Business School tell us a little bit about your role there and how that uh, role uh, came to being and, and, and what kind of added values do you think you can do in some of the progressions of doing work there and beyond so currently the last few years I've been increasingly engaged in the leadership development world I guess which, okay. which is a broad world um, and in many ways, it, what is it about? It's about human performance. It's about looking at how people can be more effective at what they do. So it's working with organisations in you know, all sorts of forms. And as part of that, working with business schools, and particularly recently collaborating with um, Surrey Business School, uh, around you know these questions of what, what is performance, what is leadership, what can we learn from sport, um, 
you know, so obviously bringing those sort of crossovers, some, some really clear parallels, some really clear analogies around how do we get the best out of ourselves, but also with the understanding of a very complex, messy world um, from my experience as a diplomat. So, you know, understanding that sort of the, the clear analogies of sporting performance, but having an appreciation that, that life can be a lot messier than that, a lot more complicated than that in certain ways, a lot less predictable. Um, and therefore, you know, understanding that we have to translate those kind of performance approaches into the difficult everyday life we live and work in, the difficult complex organisations, the unpredictability that we face all the time, and trying to help translate all those. And I think for me it's making sense of the two very intense careers that I had that were very high pressure, high stakes environments in different ways, sitting at the start of the Olympics and then kind of working in zones. So it's making sense of that and, and then seeing those as um, useful lenses within which to kind of apply to other people who are, you know, they're all under pressure in what they're trying to do in one way or another and trying to sort of see how that lens can help us to work out, you know, some of the fundamentals about how we can be most effective at whatever it is we're trying to do. So it's a sort of ongoing obsession with human performance, I think, that's seeing, you know, different, different, um, you know, different worlds. And at the moment, I'm really enjoying kind of working with business school um, colleagues and MBA students and uh, organisations who, you know, are also hungry to kind of learn those lessons and perhaps realise that, you know, they're not doing things in the best way they could um, and being part of discovering, you know, how to, how to improve things. Do you see, Kath, that there is a, not just a market for that or a culture for that? I mean stakeholder wise you're talking clearly maybe to to organizations to not-for-profit or businesses or, or whatever where is the audience where is the uptake and and, and do you think that uh, that people embrace the need for kind of this you know because quite often people say we know it all or we're traditional or management consultants you know i mean i'm throwing some wild maybe commentaries out here you know they i mean some politicians recently have kind of spur, uh, spurned, I should say, the fact that we're, we're, we're all too swayed often by notional experts in their field. I, I totally disagree with some or all of those commentaries. But do you think there is a, a real need, and more importantly, perhaps the take up, take, you know, they embrace it for all that it's worth, something like leadership development in management? Well, of course, there's a spectrum across organisations of half are they engaged with it. But what I observe is an increasing interest in this area that um, companies increasingly see if they overlook this area then you know there can be grave consequences. I think there's been a phase where sort of you know pre the recession people wanted to expand and raise performance in an organisation they just hired. Yeah. They hired it but people can't do that now. They can't afford to do that now. So therefore they need to look at the performance of the people they've got. And I think, again, there are sort of increasing realisations that having a culture that's actually positive, supportive, it does increase the performance, um, but it's tricky to do. And so I see you know, real interest in this issue of culture. Again, it's not good enough to just send a few individuals off to training courses or to send them on a leadership programme, because they come back into an environment that then restricts them yeah. often. 
them putting into practice what they learn. So therefore you've got to look at this environment itself. Now of course some people don't actually want to look too closely at, at how things are. They, they'd rather just stick to the mission statement and the values on the work on the wall rather than actually how they're being experienced. But I think most companies in order to survive you know, and then thrive realise that this is part of what they are, this is part of what they offer. Um, their employees and if they want to retain and attract the best and they want to be relevant for the next generation coming through then they need to embrace this stuff. Um, it's a responsibility and, and it is part of the bottom line. It, it helps performance. So I think, you know, again, all the kind of increasing literature coming out of Harvard Business Reviews mm. and all that sort of world is around this stuff matters. It affects the bottom line. It's not a luxury. It's not a nice to. It's a things go badly wrong if you get some of the culture issues wrong either because you get a sort of Volkswagen situation occurring, you know, or Enron, those sorts of big, famous situations yep. which really traumatise what can go wrong if you don't spend enough time on this. So I think there's an increasing swing in this direction. But of course, some people are at the front of that wave. Some people are at the back kind of wishing they didn't have to go there. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, Cass, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't know how to put this very politely without being insensitive, maybe, but I'm going to say it anyway. I mean, you're hired. Where do I sign up? Because I couldn't agree with, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. And and it's interesting because may, many of the connections I've made a little bit outside the, I wouldn't say restricted practice of higher education, academia and, and all that's going on in, in this world in that particular sector. That's for another debate, mate. Bit. but there are very common synergies in what you've talked about i've done some guest lectures recently uh, in in sport business particularly but touch points like communications like social media and you know while you're there you know one of the the, the buzz things at the moment is disruption and, and clearly you know it, it it needs a special person to go out and, and do some of those things and you know it works i've seen it work i've been involved in it but you're knowing as well that these guys are going to go back to their organization and kind of say you want me to do that <laughs> really you know when you know they've done it very straight line very traditional and so it's all about you know making it right at the right time for the right people and so on i'm going to close kath if i may but not quite close because i i, I just want to go on a, a few moments more I'm fascinated, not least of all, by the notion as much as anything that what you pass on and how you're influenced in your whole life is very important. And I know it's probably going to be slightly difficult in, 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 in having a, a, a really detailed response to it. But if I go out and talk to students as I do, uh, you know, all my life and I'm continuing to do that, how can they create the opportunities that were presented to you or you're seized or what kinds of things, the do's and don'ts, I suppose, in some ways, if I can be as blunt as that, to make a success of the talent you have, the opportunities. And clearly today, I've always believed as times progress in the, in the arenas of, particularly through new media and social media and technology, that it gives so much more opportunity. So what kind of touch points or tips would you give and maybe some of the things that people students particularly in a career aspirational way should avoid as a kind of close to today's interview Kath? Mm, yeah good question and, uh, yeah, 
one I'd like to think over, but so my immediate thoughts are really about um, being open to trying new things. I mean, really, that's what happened with rowing. Absolutely. I, had, you know, I, I really nearly didn't bother because I thought there's no point, and it seems so obvious. Um, you know, all the evidence pointed to that, and everybody around me would have agreed with that. It wasn't just me being sort of unconfident. You know, there was no evidence to suggest this was going to work. Um, you know, and yet it was it was literally life changing. So I think you know, for me, that's probably the biggest thing in my mind is to try new things because you don't know where they're going to lead you, and it might not be anywhere sort of obvious, and it might not be the Olympics, but there are all sorts of other things that it brings you into contact with different people. So it's that try new things, leave your comfort zone, you know, and, and and have some persistence. You know, don't give up easily. Keep going at something if you like it, if you care about it, if you've got a passion for something. Then you know, throw yourself into it. You know, what, what have you got to lose? Make sure you're, you know, that for me was a big question in my mind at that moment. You know, what have I actually got to lose by trying this crazy sport of rowing that everybody seems to think is really fun? What actually have I got to lose? You know, why don't I give it a try when there's so much potentially to gain, to explore, to find out? So, you know, grab those opportunities, be open to them. If you're open to them, I think you find more. They come to you if you're sort of out there being curious. Um, feed that curiosity, another kind of great quality, I think, just to, you know, to have an interesting life if you're open to trying new things. I mean, Kath, if I may, I mean, you've brought out everything there as the reason why Kath Bishop has been such a success. I mean, your diplomacy in a way kind of thing, I'd like time to think about that question and clearly, you know, that's, that's very much the case. But if you can do one thing, and it's very much a shared vision and a shared practice of mine, you know, I talk and always have, you know, it's almost like Roosevelt, the only thing you fear is fear itself. Be open, don't be afraid to, 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 to go with things, seize the moment, take those opportunities if they present themselves and, and, and find out and more that you do that and I think sport is such a great vehicle and driver to do all of those things and what it also does as well with what you've said Kath it gives me the opportunity to do a Kath Bishop number two interview at some point in the future to be continued so may I say a real it's been a real privilege and pleasure to interview interview you today Kath so all the success in the world going forward how can we contact you how would my audience make contact with Kath Bishop going forward you can leave a few contact details if you would Kath sure yeah I'm on Twitter that's probably the easiest thing Twitter, LinkedIn all those sorts of things but uh, it's been brilliant chatting to you today many thanks Kath and I'm sure we'll speak again take care thanks for the interview